Hallelujah. Let me just straighten this up because I've got obsessive disorders. It's great to see. It's great to be back in Derby and good to be home. And uh, it's fantastic. It's, it's quite amazing. I go back sometimes to Coventry Church where I ministered and uh, I don't really recognize anybody there. But it's still great to see so many, uh, well, let me just say, familiar faces. Um, I once opened an awards ceremony in Marbella and I started by saying it's great to see so many familiar facelifts. Um, but it's great to be back. And just a few things to mention uh, before I start. I'm a kneeling missionary in Spain, and uh, I know somebody has got to go and do that, so I felt it was a call for me. Uh, and people think it's, uh, it's like being on holiday all the time. You know, you're on the beach with sangria, and we don't do that on weekdays. So uh, you, you can smile. I'm trying to try, try and make you smile. And now we've got some Elim Missions uh, leaflets to give out, and... Uh, I've got to give these out to as many people as I can. I've been told by HQ. So has anybody got a, photo, a camera on their phone? Just one person. What, got to, I, know, I know cost of living crisis and everything, but uh, can somebody just take a photo of me giving this to somebody? Is that okay? Can you just, can you come up? Can I give it to you? Yeah. Look inter- can you look interested in being a missionary? Okay. I'm going to look really sincere. Okay, thank you very much. Oh, hallelujah. If she, if she ends up on the mission field, that'll be an absolute amazing thing. Uh, so it's great to be here. Um, many years ago, back in 1992, uh, I came and sat at the back of the church there with my family. And uh, Gordon Neal, Pastor Neal, who's here today, uh, walked over to us and said hello and started talking about Derby County. And my dad said, I like him. Um, so, uh, and ever since then, we stayed. I, I stayed in the church, came back and... Uh, I became a Christian at a youth event in Hebron Hall, Cardiff, uh, in 1992. And so it's, uh, it's great to be back home. Uh, and I want to tell you something. I'm a failure. Okay? Is there any more fa- anybody else who's a failure here today? I wasn't expecting you to be so honest, but that's great. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about failure today and how to come back from failure. And... I'd love you to get involved if you can look me up online. We're doing some work in Spain, and it's a mission field. And you don't think of Spain as being a mission field because you think of it being all beaches and holidays and so on. Uh, but there is a real mission field there. And do you know what? I really sense the presence of God. I don't know if I'm shaking because I'm nervous or it's the Holy Spirit, but either way, I'm enjoying it. Um, and there's a real mission field there. And people don't see it beyond... The, the TV and the ho- you know, place in the sun and so on. Uh, but right there in Spain, there's lots of people in need. And um, my wife and kids can't make it today. They send their love. And they do exist. Some people actually think they don't exist because I never come to England with them. But they do actually exist. And, uh, and yeah, it's just a great place to grow up. It's a great place for the kids. It's a great place to be. But it's also a great place of great need. And I'm going to look at today Peter and David quite briefly. We can't look at all their lives because it would take us a whole Bible study to do that. But right there in the midst of Peter's life and David's life, there's failure. And just a few years ago, a guy walked into our church. And it was a Sunday afternoon. We have our service at half past four. And we meet in a Catholic church building, which is virtually unheard of in Spain. And by the way, is June Watts here? June. Yeah, there she is. June, June Watts. Can I tell me your age? 82 years of age, and she runs our Sunday school in Spain. 
And so she said to me, um, Dave, I won't be here at the beginning of May. I'm, I'm going to see some family. And I said, where are you going? She said, I'm going to Derby. I said, all right, interesting. Uh, what church are you going to? She said, I'm going to Derby City Church. So what day are you going to be there? And she told me the day. I said, yeah, I'm preaching that day. And so she can't get away from me. Uh, so there we are. Uh, so a guy walks into the church, and his name was Jason. And Jason uh, just had come out of prison. Uh, and he'd been, in, he'd been basically on a bender. That's what they call it, a bender. It's a lot of drinking and a lot of everything else. And he ended up on Torremolinos Beach, and the Guardia Seville had taken him in. And he came and sat with me, and he says, I'm from Manchester. And I could pick up his accent and was chatting away. And as I sat with him, I realized that I recognized him. And just literally three weeks beforehand, I'd watched on YouTube a, a TV documentary that was made by Channel 5. And on that documentary, it talks about this guy, Jason, who was a gangster. And he was well known in the UK. He had an Irish family, mafia background, uh, big in Manchester. And basically, he had lots of horrible things done in his name through him and for him. And he walked into the church with absolutely nothing. He said, I've lost my passport. My girlfriend's walked out on me. I've got nothing left, no phone. And as I sat and talked with him, I said, I recognize you. I've just seen you. You've just been on a documentary on Channel 5. You went, to Man- you went back to his estate in Manchester in his BMW convertible. And he shared about how you can go from living a life of crime to becoming a lawyer. So what he did was he was a criminal and went into prison in Spain and he learned the law. And he became what was a fixer. And so he would learn how to get people off on technicalities. Now in Marbella, that's quite a big industry uh, on the Costa del Crime. And so, um, and so there he is. He's, he's doing this. And he walks in to up my church. And he said, I've got nothing, Dave. I'm, my life's gone. I'm completely gone. And, and it turns out the only person that he knew the, the phone number to, to call for help, was a lawyer friend in Marbella, who I happened to know because he came on my radio show. And so I just saw God orchestrating things and bringing him to us. And so he stayed for the meeting. Uh, He became a Christian during the meeting. And afterwards, he said, will you drop me back home? So I'm taking him back home, and we're paying for a locksmith to come and get him back into his apartment. And two hours whilst I'm waiting for the locksmith to do the lock, I'm thinking to myself, I hope this is his apartment. Because I'm thinking, I could be in trouble here. And so, anyway, we get in and it's great. It is his apartment. And next, he said, right, I'm coming to the Bible study on Tuesday. So I went and picked him up and he came out in a suit and tie, absolutely polished. And then as we walked out the door, he went like this. I'm like, you're right, Jason. Okay. And he went, yeah, it's just I've got somebody looking for me at the moment. I said, have you Really? And what does that mean? So, well, let's just say they're not nice people. I'm, I'm like, okay, I'd wish I had a dog collar on at that point uh, for protection purposes. But he came, he came to the church. We baptized him in the sea. And then, like a lot of people, he drifts back, gets back into some of the stuff he used to do. He'd ring me every week and call me pastor. He went to Portugal to sort out some business. And, I, and he'd say, I need to confess. I said, don't you tell me anything, Jason. I don't need to know anything that's going on. <laughs> and eventually he said, I've got to go back to the UK, but I know when I get back there, I'm going to get arrested. And I said, why? He said, because I'm wanted for hit and run. I'm like, why don't you tell me this? 
Anyway, he, gets, he goes back and I said, right, what, what you need to do is when you get back, let me know where you end up and we'll see if we've got a chaplain in that area that can help you. And he rings me and he's in Chesterfield. And I said, are you in the police station? He said, no, I'm at home. And he said, what happened was a, there was a, a technical problem with the police database that wiped out a lot of criminal records. I don't know if you saw it on the news a few months back. And he's, he's seen this as an answer to prayer. <laughs> he's like, Hallelujah. <laughs> And he rings me, and he says, Dave, it's great. I've found a church here in Chesterfield. I'm starting to go. And within two weeks, I got a call to say that he was in hospital at the age of 52. He died of COVID. And Naomi said to me, do you think that he's in heaven now? I said, yeah, I'm convinced that that guy walked in for a glass of water into our church building on a Sunday afternoon, and, it, and that was the impact. And the mission that we do in Spain is very much like that. Quite often the church will probably stay at a similar level size-wise, but we have people coming and going all the time. I'm going to need some water, I think. So, so is anybody else who feels like sometimes that you're failing? Well, there's plenty, plenty of us around. And today, as I think about Jason and other people, I think about myself, and I know that I have the propensity to fail. And one of God's heroes in scriptures is a guy called Peter, and I love Peter. Peter was just so passionate about following God. And what I like about Peter is what you see is what you get. And during the pandemic, I really felt the Lord say to me, Dave, you're trying to be like everybody else. You're trying to be like every other Elim pastor. And I want you to be like you. I want you to be free. And since then, I felt such a freedom just to be me. I felt for a long time I was trying to be the super Christian or, or whatever it was that would get acceptance. You know what? The most important thing is that we're true to who we really are. God has created us in the way that we are. He wants us to be more like Jesus Christ. But some of us are so busy comparing ourselves to other people that we don't give ourselves a chance. And quite often we can do all the right things. We can put our hands up in worship. We can look the part on a Sunday. We can know all the words to the songs. We can come down the front, shake, rattle and roll, get touched by the Holy Spirit. But folks, what does that really matter? If on a Tuesday morning you're not living it, if there's no fruit in your life, if you can't be true to who you really are, if you can't be yourself, then what does it all matter? I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely getting to the place where I'm fed up with religious Spirits, I'm fed up with religious religiosity. Religion is not a bad word, it's in the Bible. But when I talk about this, I mean those that just seem to be judgmental and always seem to know better about how you should be living your life. I know I'm a, I know I'm a failed, flawed person. You don't have to convince me. And as I look at the lives of people kicking it around, getting ready for Derby later. Um, is there any Derby County fans in? It's like, we'll be finished by three, don't worry. Um, okay. So Peter... It's true, Peter in Luke 22 says, after surpassing a warning of Satan's attack, Jesus gave Peter a statement of fact. And he says this, I have prayed for you. What an amazing thing to hear when you hear Jesus says to Peter, I have prayed for you. I've had some great people pray for me and try and knock me over. <laughs> and I've had, I've had some great people pray for me. But when you hear Jesus, he says, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fall. It's God's will that we don't fall. Amen? Uh, so God wants us not to fall. He wants us to not be a failure. He wants us to be successful. 
And, and, and Jesus' prayer for us today would be, I pray that you do not fall. That's the, that's the goal. And that's what I'm aiming for. But we see that Peter does fall. And there's a final command. He says, and when once again you have turned again. Jesus knew that Peter would fail. And it's interesting to know, isn't it, that God loves you, God loves me, even though he knows that we're going to fail this week. Even though he knows that we've probably even failed today. Uh, when, when I first, before I became a Christian, I used to swear like a trooper. And I worked in the motor trade, and it was like, it just, it was just like everyday language. Now I only do it when I'm driving. But um, if you want to drive in Spain, you'll realize it has a very detrimental effect on your mental health. And be, being... And he realized, I just want to be me. I don't, and, and, and I'm struggling sometimes to try and live up to that level. And Peter knows he's going to, Peter fails, Jesus knows he's going to fail. And he says, actually, I love you anyway. And how did he prove that? Mark 16, verses 6 to 7 answers that question. And we saw it over Easter, after the resurrection, while the women were standing at the tomb. An angel told them these amazing words. And I read this again this Easter, and it jumped off the page at me. And I don't know if that ever happens to you. You read something, you think you've read it many, many times, and yet it jumps off the page at you again. And and it says this, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. Now at this point, Peter has denied Jesus three times. We know the story so well. Somebody who walked on water, who experienced that miracle, he saw the feeding of the 5,000. He saw many, many miracles. Suddenly is doubting or, or at least trying to protect himself from those that are around him. And I don't know about you, but I can walk away from great moments in my life and then fail. And I've had the walking on water experience. Now, in Spain, that's a great thing to be able to do because of so many swimming pools. But I've never walked on water. Is there anybody else? If you have walked on water, you should be doing the sermon. Uh, I should imagine there's not many people that have done that. And yet Peter walks on water. It's an amazing, amazing miracle. He sees a feeding of the 5,000. He sees Jesus face to face. I'm watching The Chosen at the moment. I don't know if anybody's been seeing that on Netflix. And it just reminds me just how awesome Jesus is with people and his love for people. And Peter has experienced that face to face. We haven't. The Bible says, blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. And we see Peter denies Jesus three times. And the verse goes like this. Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. Then the angel says this, amazing words. But go tell the disciples and Peter. I just love that. Go tell the disciples and Peter. And the psychologists say that if, you use some, if you're selling uh, and you use somebody's name, you get to know their name, you use their name, it really becomes a rapport between you because you're using a person's name. People like to hear their name. And here we see, go tell all the disciples and Peter. It would be like, go tell all the disciples and Rob. Go tell all the disciples and Dave. Go tell all the disciples and Gordon. 
And I love that because God is singling Peter out. He's recognizing that all the disciples are dismayed. They're all discouraged. But Peter will need to hear his name. So make sure you go and speak to Peter and tell Peter about this. Isn't that great? Don't forget Peter. He's the last one who thinks that he'll ever want to talk to him again. But tell Peter, what grace is that? Somewhere between the time Peter fell and the angelic announcement, there was a process during which Peter wallowed in remorse, wishing he could, be, if possible, correct his error. But he couldn't. He couldn't correct it. And sometimes we're trying to correct everything in our own strength. And we just need to hear our name spoken again by God. And maybe today you've tried to live your life your own way. And you've done things your own way for many years. And you need to hear your name being mentioned again today. And Peter. Because you can't fix it in your own strength. You can't fix your life in your own strength. I've, I've, I've looked for things in so many ways. I'm not one of these people that has like a, I was a drug addict, I was dealing with drugs, and then when I turned 14, I became a Christian, that sort of thing. But I've looked for it in so many different places, and I've really never found it anywhere else. And sometimes, can I be honest with you? I sometimes struggle with my faith. And, and it's okay. Can I just say it's okay to struggle with your faith? I was taught for many, many years that not to have any doubts. And when we see doubting Thomas in the scripture, we don't, and he's doubting God himself, Jesus doesn't say to him, oh, I can't believe you. What else am I going to do? I'm right here in front of you. Why are you doubting me? I'm right here. What else can I do for you? I give up. That would have been me. But Jesus says, come, see, touch. And some of you may be doubting. And that doesn't mean that it's a bad place to be. It means that you're inquiring. And you may have struggles in your faith sometimes. And that's okay. I want to say it's okay not to be okay. Okay? By the way, I like that. uh, Meeting, eating. Meeting without eating, cheating. I'm writing that one down. Yeah. It's okay not to be okay. And it can happen to you too. Just like fallen and forgiven Peter, you can find new hope. There's a great passage in the scripture where it says, Jesus reinstates Peter. Peter's reinstated. And later on, when he talks about the resurrection, you need to look at it in the context of this last verse we read, where it says, go tell the disciples and Peter. Because this wasn't just the resurrection for everybody. This was Peter's forgiveness and reinstating as well. Why does this mean so much to Peter? Because it was at that resurrection, Peter's name was called. And the Lord in his tender mercy said, tell him to come back. God may just be speaking to you again today after many, many years of drifting. And God may be saying your name today and saying it's time to come back. It's time to come back. It can happen to you too. And what tender mercy Peter has in his life later on. And we see him talk about the resurrection in many, many places. But in 1 Peter 1, 2 to 3, it says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again in tender 
sorry, uh, cause us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection. I wonder when Peter, to mention those words, and he mentions the resurrection, whether in his mind he was remembering his name being called by the angel and being singled out. Second person I want to quickly look at is David. And he's another failure. And I love this because he's known as a man after God's own heart. Some of us are so used to putting the masks on and so used to being somebody different that we've forgotten who we really are. And God wants to get back to the heart situation. He says, David was a man after God's own heart. And we need to be real. I I once did a a TV show on uh, Revelation TV uh, on a Thursday night. And the first time I went into the TV channel... I heard somebody on the television say these words, and, they, and this really was quite difficult for me to hear. And this is the thing I'm talking about. They said, if you have a godly marriage, you should never have an argument. And I, and I said to the producer and the director, I said, that's me out then. Because me and my wife argue on a regular basis. In fact, we stopped throwing plates now. It's like a Greek party in our house. We stopped throwing plates because we can't afford it. It's a cost of living crisis. So we're just doing plastic ones and we can reuse them. And, 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 and I thought, my marriage isn't perfect. We've had one argument in our marriage. It started the day we got married and we carried it on. And we had, we had this principle that we will never go to sleep angry. We'd rather stay up all night and argue. Okay? If you live by that, you won't go too far wrong. But it's about being real. It's about just being real. And many of us have got masks on. Do you want to hear a joke? I'll stick a joke in here. Um, it, and actually, it's a true story. I let, the, I let it in wrong. I let it in wrong, sorry. It's a true story. Twycross Sue got a cost of living crisis. So they put an advert on the internet in the paper as well saying, uh, we need somebody to come and dress up as a bear for the children. But they won't know it isn't a real bear. Just sit there. You'll get paid. Eat some food. And so this guy applies for it. It's a great opportunity, great job. And he gets there, and he's in the bear enclosure, and they, they put the costume on, and it's great. And he looks over, and he walks around a little bit, starts to act like a bear, walking around. That was a monkey, sorry. Um, and as he looks around, he gets close, and he sees this massive tiger come running towards him from the other enclosure. And he, he gets scared, so he runs, jumps the fence out of fear, and runs straight into the lion enclosure. And he comes face to face with this man-eating lion. And he starts shouting, get me out of here, get me out of here. And the lion says, shut up, you'll get us both fired. (laughs) And so, many times we can be in a place where, I'm going to link this into something spiritual. Many times we can be in a place where we put a, a mask on or we try to be somebody different. And David does this as well. We see in Psalm 32. And David is uh, dealing with his sin. And for about a year and a half, he tries to deal with it. And finally, he says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. When he uses that word, it reminds us that something he once had, he no longer has. And so what did David do? Well, we know the story so well. He sees a woman bathing on on a balcony top, on a terrace. And he, and he sees her and he likes her. And isn't it great that we see people in the Bible just as they are? That they deal with the same temptations that we deal with? And so he decides to sleep with her. 
she becomes pregnant. If that wasn't enough, he then has her husband sent to the front line purposely to be killed. Now, I don't know about your sin, but I should imagine there's not many people on that level in here today, if we want to put a level to it. But what I love about David is this. For about a year and a half, he tries to kind of live with it. And he goes on. And quite often, we can try and live with the things that we're failing in, in our lives. And maybe just put them over there, and it'll be okay, because we make an excuse for it, maybe even, that, well, God seems to be blessing me, so that's, that's okay. I can keep it there, and it's absolutely fine. And you, we kind of make an excuse for it. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's just a, a weakness in your life that, you, that you're dealing with. And David comes to the conclusion after many, many, after, uh, we reckon about a year and a half, and he says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And eventually he gets to his place. And I really believe this is what can happen in our lives. That God will let us go on for such, for such a time. He'll let us go on. We'll try and deal with it in our own way. We'll try and live our own lives. We'll try and get stuff right. We'll even make excuses for it. And it will all be okay. It's not a problem. But at some point you get to the end of it and you think, I've had enough. I'm praying for some had enough days in our lives. Where we say, I've had enough of dealing with that. And I'm coming to God with it. And David does that. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And I'm paraphrasing here. He then says, so that I may go and tell others about your great works. For many years, I felt the pressure of having to be a good witness. And I've heard teaching years and years and years saying, you need to be a good witness. And I'd be at work and I'd hear it ringing in my mind. Maybe I've told a bad joke, a funny one, but a bad one. Uh, or I've done something wrong, or I've slipped up, and I've not kept my Christian witness. Or maybe I'm struggling. Maybe I'm in tears. We see that Peter was in tears. We see that David was in tears. And there are times in our lives when our failure and our weakness will bring us to tears. And I've been a Derby County fan long enough to know a lot about tears. Let's hope there's none today. Tears of joy, please, Lord. And we can be in that place of tears and a place of feeling weak and vulnerable. And quite often I've felt that, but I've tried and kept up the image around me because I didn't want anybody to think that's a bad witness. Christians shouldn't face this. I've had some of the greatest moments of my life in this church. I've been told off in that office more times than I care to remember. Steve Kempton grabbed me a few times. <laughs> and we've had some great moments, great times. I don't recognize the building. I used to count the pipes on the organ at the back. And I remember watching Ron Williams and the church mafia walking out from the left-hand side here with the suits and ties on. Things have changed so much, and yet the message is still the same, isn't it? That we are a fallen people needing a loving God. And for many years, I've tried to keep up the pretense of what a Christian should look like. Some of you said, well, you've not done very good right from day one. I know that, I know. But I felt the Lord just say, why are you bothering doing that? People need to see your weakness. 
God doesn't try and hide our weakness. In fact, it says, I glorify myself in your weakness. Because the Bible says, for when you are weak, then you are strong. And quite often we get it your way around where we're trying to be strong, trying to be the best we possibly can in all our strength. And we just need to admit our weakness and come to him and be free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so I don't care so much now if you see my weakness. Because I need to tell you now, I'm a weak person without the Lord. And the only strength I have comes from him. Because there's been many times that I wanted to give up and he's helped me to stay the course. And I'm sure you can all relate to that. So if you mess up at work, don't feel embarrassed. Just say, actually, you know what? I am a Christian, but I live in the real world. And I sometimes slip up. But I've got a God who forgives me. And I can be set free from that. And some of us are trying to live up to the image that we have. And God is saying, let the mask go. Be free and know me personally in your life. And just let me glorify myself in your weakness. You know, sometimes God will take our weakness to reach other people. It's amazing. I feel so often sometimes like a fraud because I don't feel like I live up to it. But you know what? None of us do. None of us do. We had uh, some people come into our church who've got a very different lifestyle to a lot of us in this room. And it's quite obvious. And they came in and we had people walk out of our church because they came in. And last time I read, the Bible says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. And we're facing that as a church. How do we deal with this sort of thing? But the hardest people to deal with aren't people that are coming in who are sinners. It's the ones who have got a religious attitude to the sinners coming in. And God says that he calls us all to come to him. I don't know. If, if, if a person from a certain lifestyle can't come to Christ, then neither can I because I've got sin in my life as well. None of us have got the right to be here. None of us have the right to take communion. None of us have the right to anything. It's all a great, the grace of God. It's all a gift that comes from him. And so I don't know how you're feeling today, whether you feel a little bit like a failure or if you feel a bit weak, feel a bit down. It's a good place to be, you know. Because it's at that moment that God can reinstate you when you recognize that, like Peter. Hallelujah. It won't be, long, won't be much longer now. Uh, we had a, a Yorkshire guy in our church, and uh, it came in, in fact, to John Waller, Gordon Wano John. And uh, John came in one day, and he kept saying at the back when I was preaching, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. And I went up to him afterwards and said, Thanks for saying Hallelujah. He said, No, I was saying, That'll do you. That'll do you. <laughs> So, Lord, as we come to you right now, we recognize, like Peter and David, that we are failures. That, Lord, that we are weak clay. But, Lord, when we come to you, we become a new creation. And I thank you, Lord, that there's nobody that you turn away. Regardless of how far we've drifted away, how far off the track we've gone, Nobody's too far away. And maybe today you're in a place where you're just saying, I feel like I've drifted. Maybe today God is calling you back by name. Betsy Tam Boom's words, great missionary said this, there is no pit so deep, but that he is not deeper still. And I thank God for his amazing grace every day of my life. 
I just want to pray for you, but I'm not going to call you to the front or do anything else like that. But if you are saying, actually, I just feel God's, as I hear the name Peter, I hear my name. And God's telling me to come back. It might, it might be that you're not drifted away from church, but you need to come back to him. It might be that you're not drifted away from doing all the usual things, your house groups, so on, but you need to come back to him. And as I pray, I'm going to ask you if actually, would you stand with me, please? There's no, judgment, no judgmentalism in this place. There's nobody being judgmental. There's not one of us in this room that hasn't drifted away or gone dry at some point in our walk with God. And if that's you and you feel that God's calling your name, would you stand? And I'm going to pray for you. Now, it might mean that you have to do something. It might mean that you have to go and speak to Andy or one of the ministry team here and say, I just felt God tell me to come back. How can, how can that happen? Is there anybody else? I'm just going to wait just a few seconds. I'm not going to drag it out longer than a football match on in a minute. Is there anybody else? Lord, I want to thank you that you love us. I want to thank you, Lord, that you invest in the fallen people. You glorify yourself in our weakness. And Lord, I want to thank you today that I can come to you, even though I know I've failed you this week. I thank you that you call me by name. Just hear God call your name now. What an amazing privilege that he knows us by name. And Lord, I pray for these dear folk who have stood up and responded today. And for the others who haven't as well. Lord, that you'd help us to grow closer to you in our walk with you. Lord, that we would, as we read your word, be, we'd have the revelation of who you really want us to be. And how we go about living this life you called us to. So, Father, I pray your blessing over this Derby City Church, a church that holds many memories for me. I pray your prosperity over this place. It's amazing to see the balconies being used. It's amazing to see what you're doing here. And I just pray, Lord, that you will continue to use this Derby Elam Church. And I thank you for everybody in here. In Jesus' name, amen.